So open with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, as we continue on some of these New Year reflections. I know you may be thinking, hey, when are we going to get back to our study on the book of Luke? We started in the book of Luke last February, I believe, and we've been there since then, uh, minus a few Sundays there. And, and so what the plan is, is that again, New Year today, the next four Sundays in January, I want to cover some some foundational things, just like we did last January, kind of start off with uh, those anchor points in our life. And then we'll pick back up in Luke, Lord willing, obviously we give him uh, the option to change it as he would pick back up in Luke uh, the first Sunday in February and finish out in that probably at some point in April. So got a got a great uh, schedule there uh, of the word, and I'm sure he will tweak it as he sees fit. But we'll be in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. Uh, it is a new year. 2020 has gone and 2021 has come. You know, there's the, the what, what can you say about 2020, right? Plenty. You can say plenty about it. Uh, it will be uh, forever marked. It'll be a year that we will always Remember, and it is proof that the very fact that we will remember it like we will is proof that a year is more than just a grouping of days, right? It's more than just a grouping of days. Anything that is given a name can have an identity. And obviously 2020 uh, had an identity. It'll be forever marked. And that can vary at the individual level. It might have been different for you uh, overall than someone else. There are some things obviously that were uh, experienced universally, but their impact and their mark on the year might be different. But regardless, it's marked, right? It is marked. It has an identity. There's an indelible mark on that year of 2020. So with that stated and with that in mind, what will 2021 be marked with or by in your life? How will this year go down in the history of your life? How will it be defined? What will the shape of it be when we get to the end of the year? Last week we read from Psalm 90 where Moses wrote, teach us to number our days carefully uh, so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. And, and we, we ask him, help us understand the measure of our days, how brief our time here is, how important a gift it is, the time that you've given us so that it'll impact us and make us wiser in our walk. We talked about what are the things that we want to put on the table and say, what am I carrying into this next year and what would be better if I leave behind in last year? And so that, that's some location for us. Where am I in my relationship with him? Where am I going uh, in my relationship with him? And, and then the next step, which we'll get to this morning, is going to be the action. You know, when we actually step forward and do something, what are we doing and how do we do it? Uh, because there's a the question, are we going to wait until the end of 2021 to see what it says about itself? 
to just leave it to its own design, whichever way it happens to flow? Are we going to just step back and go, well, whatever will be, will be, and I guess I'll just have to deal with it? Or are we, at least in our life, there's plenty of things we can't control, but in our life, in our thoughts and in our actions, are we going to put forth effort to define this year, at least as far as we are concerned? Again, can we control everything? No. Plenty of things are going to go on this year that you have no control over. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things that we can steer and that we can control and direct in our own life. And with that in mind, how are we going to shape, define, and handle this year? So I want to read to you this scripture uh, that I believe the Lord has given to me to encourage us in this morning as far as how do we go about this. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul is speaking and he says, Now I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me, whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim and so you have believed. So the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, the Corinthians, writing to the church at Corinth, says, I want to remind you about the gospel that I preached to you, that you believed and, and by which you are being saved if you hold to the message that I preached to you. So there's a there's a interesting part of that statement. He says, this is the message I preached. It's the one you heard, you believed, uh, that, that you stand on and by which you are being saved. If you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. Now, we're going to focus on that word vain. You see it appears twice, at least in English, in that section of Scripture. This first time when he says, it, unless you have believed in vain, it's, it's a Greek word. And it means uh, without purpose, without success or effort. He said, this message that I've preached, that you've believed, that you're hanging on to, will continue to save you unless you've believed in vain or unless you've believed without purpose, without success, without effort. And then in verses three through eight, he outlines the glorious gospel which he has preached and they've received and by which they're being saved. And he does it very quickly. You know that, you know, Christ died for our sin according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. And he appeared to all of these 
to prove that he was risen from the dead. And he says, last of all, he appeared to me. So he outlines this gospel and he says that it's possible to believe and then not hold on to the message. It's possible to believe and then let go of the rope and have believed in vain or without purpose, without effect or without effort. And now we've seen that, right? We, we, we've seen how we have believed things and then not seen any effect of that belief in our life or that our belief was vain. And today in the scripture, our primary case is going to be spiritual, obviously. Uh, but let's use a natural example to understand it. New Year resolutions, right? We've all made New Year resolutions before. Anybody last year in 2020 make any resolutions in regard to health and fitness? I did, right? I, I had a belief. I said, hey, you know what? This would be good for me if I went from here to here. This would be good for me if I did this. This would be helpful and beneficial to me. And hey, it's also possible. It's not something that's impossible. I'm not making a resolution to learn how to, you know, fly without uh, a, a, an airplane. This would be good for me. It's a belief that I had. Guess what? End of the year, that belief ended up a little empty. I had believed in vain or without effect, right? Because I said in my heart, this is what I need to do. This would be good and right for me to do. I had that belief, but there was no action or little action. There was a little action. But so at the end of the year, it ends up empty. And why? Because I didn't hold to it. I had believed in vain. I missed out on the good and right benefits of that belief because I didn't hold on to it and I didn't back it up with purpose and with action. So instead of being filled either a quarter of the way or halfway full or all the way full, of the benefit of that belief, I ended up at the end of the year holding an empty you know, cup and going, I think I'm going to have to make that same resolution next year. So I still have the belief, is it going to be held to this year? We'll see. And you may say, okay, that's fine for your weight loss example or for your health and fitness example, but we're talking about uh, our relationship with God. Isn't that by grace? And I'd hope you would say that because that's what we preach. That's what we believe. And, and it does say in Scripture, it's by grace that we're saved through faith and not of ourselves, not of works. Why? Lest anybody could boast about it. It's by grace that we're saved through faith and not of works, lest anyone should be able to boast. And uh, our, our big focus last week and hopefully you've had some thoughts around this, is where am I in my relationship with God at the beginning of this year? Where am I going from where I am? And what am I doing, right, to, 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 to get there? And, and some may still say, well, isn't our relationship with God based in that grace, the unmerited favor of God on my life? That's how I have my relationship with him in the first place. Right. Grace is something that's undeserved. It's unearnable. You can't uh, earn it with what you do. You can't buy it with what you have. It's the grace of God. And, and those things are right. So how does this work? This idea of 
putting into practice what we believe, how does it work in relation to grace? And thankfully, Paul addresses this as well in the passage. And so I want to reread, starting in verse three, since I passed on to you uh, as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive. Some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And last of all, as one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. And look what he says in verse nine. For I am the least of the apostles. Not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And we, you may know his story. You may not. It's a magnificent story of redemption. He, he actually persecuted the church of Jesus Christ before he was radically and completely converted uh, to belief when Jesus appeared to him. He says, I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. So he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me is not in vain. And that's a, that's a focus today, that word. Now, that word that still shows up in your Bible as vain, the English translation is vain, is a different word. It's a different word that also translates into uh, the English word vain. And it's a little bit more robust than the first one. The first one was simple as definition and uh, other words that kind of fit that mold of that word. What was smaller? This one's a little bit more robust. It, it does mean empty. It means devoid. It means an empty vessel, like an empty cup or a bowl. And it also brings forth the image of a man with empty hands or a man without a gift. A tree with no fruit. Also, one who boasts of faith but has no fruits to support it. Right. So it's a lot more robust word for that word that we just see translated as vain. And again, a man with empty hands or a tree with no fruit. So how does that affect what he's saying? He says who I was you know, was a persecutor of the church. And then God's grace made me what I am, an apostle, a declarer of the gospel. And he says, his grace toward me was not in vain. Why? Because I worked harder than any of them. Action was put to my belief and my belief wasn't in vain. He talks about my belief not being in vain and God's grace toward me not being in vain. Paul saying, I'm not here on the other side of God's grace with empty hands, not having done anything. I'm not here on the other side of God's grace as a fruitless tree that should be bearing fruit, but isn't. Why? He said, my proof of that is because I worked harder than the rest of them. I worked harder than all the other apostles. But what he says next is very important. He says, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. I worked harder than all of them, but not I, the grace of God 
that was with me. He says, his grace toward me was not in vain. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. So for Paul, what he's saying, the grace of God isn't just an action of forgiveness and acceptance for us at the beginning of our life with him. It's not just a past power, but it's also power for today to give me the ability to be fruitful in that which I have believed. And again, not a testament to me. He said, I've been working hard, but that don't don't pat me on the back because I wouldn't have done anything if it wasn't for the grace of God. He said, the grace of God didn't just get me to where I am. It gives me the ability to do what I'm doing now and what I'm called to do in the future. Grace is not my excuse for doing nothing. Right. Because we see that sometimes. Well, I just, you know, grace is the only reason I'm here. I couldn't do anything without it. So I'm not going to do anything. And we're just left in that status. Grace is not my excuse for doing nothing. Grace gives me the ability and the access to actually do something and see it be fruitful and productive. Again, grace isn't my excuse to be lazy. It actually is my God given power and ability. Did I deserve it? No. Did I earn it? No. But he gave it to me so that I can actually do something and see it be productive and fruitful. Grace doesn't make me work. It doesn't make me do anything, but it gives me the ability to work and see fruit from the work to put in effort and to see fruit from that effort. Paul's letting them know y'all can't fully understand what God's grace brought me out of. He's like, I'll tell you, but you can't wrap your head around it. But then after that, I'm not just going to sit here on my thumbs. I'm going to work harder than anybody, but I'm not going to take credit for the work because it's not on me. I didn't make it productive. Grace made it productive. I didn't make it fruitful. Grace made it fruitful. I didn't make it powerful. Grace made it powerful. It's the grace of God toward me. Grace is active. It takes us out of something and moves us into something. And Paul is asking them, He's like, have you believed in vain? You heard the message. You believed the message. Has there been any fruit from it in your life? Has there been any change at all? Anything? Have you held on to it or did you believe in vain and now it's just passed on by? And then he says, God's grace wasn't in vain toward me. I don't stand here with empty hands on the other side of grace. And his exhortation to them is hold on to the message and allow grace to put you to work. And the work that it puts us to isn't tedious. It's not fruitless. That's what the curse does. If you go back and read in Genesis, when man was cursed in sin, he said, you're going to work the ground. You're going to have to sweat over it. And guess what? It's still not going to produce very well. It's still going to produce thorns and thistles and things that aren't good to eat. Your effort isn't going to bring about the fruitfulness that it should. Grace unlocks that for us. The work that we're talking about doing by the grace of God, he will make it fruitful. That's the grace part of it, because I can't do that on my own. 
So again, when we're talking about this, how will this year be defined in our life? Is this going to be the year we sit on grace and we just sit on it and wait to see what happens? Is this going to be the year that we, because that doesn't work. That will cause us to drift away from him. Is this going to be the year that we drift away from God? Or is this going to be the year that we pursue him further? Which one is it going to be? Will this be the year that we see the fruit of that grace in our life? Or is this going to be a year where we get to the end of it and we complain about how spiritually dry we are, even though we didn't do anything to access what he had given us? Even though we didn't do anything to stay hydrated, we complain about the dryness of our spiritual life. Grace isn't a set it and forget it. It's active in our life. It's working in our life and it should compel us to work because that's the only fruitful work that we will see. Again, he does the work. This isn't Paul didn't preach message. He didn't preach princess messages. You're a little princess and God just loves you and he's going to give you everything you need. Or you're a warrior and God needs warriors to get out there and do or you're a princess warrior, whichever one, you know, because he didn't write this about us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and his work in our life. Ours is to hold to the message of faith that we've been given by Grace and to pursue him on all the avenues of grace that he's made available. We're with the king. We want to stay close to him. Will we allow the grace of God to be at work through our life in the lives of others this year? Because that's hard work, too. That's the hard work Paul is talking about. He's like, I've been working hard, what, taking the message of Jesus Christ everywhere that I can, even places where they didn't treat him well, even places where they tried to kill him. He said, I've been taking the message. So are we going to allow the grace of God to be at work in us and through us this year in the lives of others? Or do we allow the fear of men and the insufficiency of ourselves to keep us quiet? To say, well, I for those who are who are married, we're talking about action. Those who are married, will this be the year that my marriage continues to to flourish and grow and improve, or is this the year that it gets worse? Because we get to choose that, right? We get to make that choice. We've got work to do this year as individuals. As part of the body of Christ, whatever your identity is, where all the areas you touch, we have work to do this year. Hard work. And it's not us, but the grace of God that's with us that can accomplish fruitfulness in those areas. We can try to do it on our own. And we still won't be able to. It goes back to the curse. We, we can't put in and see the fruitfulness come out. Only grace gives the ability for that to happen. But he said the grace of God towards us doesn't have to be in vain. Again, grace is not our excuse to be lazy when it comes to the things of God. It's the power 
for our work to be God glorifying and for it to be effective, for it to actually mean something, for it to actually accomplish something. Because I can try to make myself you know, better. I can try to make myself healthier. I can try to make myself smarter. But if it's not the grace of God at work in me and my focus on him, it's going to be fruitless at the end anyway. I can have those things in fruitfulness. I can have them in the flesh. I'd much rather have them in God's grace. And you see the difference, right? We can either be a leaf blown around by whatever winds happen to hit this year, whatever storms happen to blow in this year. We can be blown to and fro by that, or we can be anchored in the message of faith that we've received and we've believed not in vain, but with results and that God's grace towards us is not in vain. Why? Because we're still working hard. Not us, but the grace of God at work in us. We can be strengthened and fruitful regardless of what else goes on. Because there's going to be stuff go on. There's going to be stuff that we deal with. And you're going to see people blown about by that. Because they don't have anything that's holding them. They don't have anything that's anchoring them. And we don't want to be like that. We want to be able to be a ministry to people who are like, they're like, look, you're just blowing around all over the place with this. Well, I'm anchored to this. I haven't moved. I've held strong during this time. Do you want to know how? So final thoughts. I know this is like, yeah. But this is what God wants us to hear at the beginning of this year. What will you say about 2021? Are you going to let it define itself or are you going to define it and shape it? Because one of the two is going to happen. Either you shape it or it shapes you. And we cannot in any way do it on our own. It's Christ and his grace that does it through us. His grace has given us the ability to be fruitful this year, to not end the year empty handed, to be able to live righteously and rightly, regardless of what goes on. We can't do everything and we can't in ourselves do anything fruitful, do anything of worth, do anything that's going to last. But he has given us graciously the power of grace to do something and it be fruitful. Here's one thing that we need to know, just like we would have said at the first half, we could go and tell ourselves anything at the first of last year, what would it be? We need to hear the same thing this year. We better be locked in. You can't just go into this, going, well, we'll see what happens. It's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. You know, we deal with all the difficulties from coronavirus. And I said something about it last week. People say, well, I'm just ready for things to get back to normal. I just want things to get back to normal. Maybe this vaccine, maybe this stuff will work. Maybe it'll get back to normal. And I would remind you that normal in this world is still bad. It's still not good. Why? Because there's so much darkness and so much evil and so much struggle and so much pain. You remove that. It's like saying, I really want to get over this ingrown toenail that I have so I can get back to only having two broken legs. This ingrown toenail is really bothering me. I'd rather just deal with my broken legs again and that be the only thing I'm dealing with. Because that's our world. Our world is saying, we want to be back to normal. I mean, if you're saying you want to be able to go to the movie theater, you want to go eat without a mask on, you know, that, that may be what you mean by normal. But understand, it's still going to be a very dark place out there. 
And so even don't hope that there's going to be some big relief when this is lifted and this passes on by because there's other things that are going on and there always will until he comes again to finalize his rule and reign among us. It's going to be normal isn't good. It's going to continue to be difficult and we're going to need to be locked in even if the virus was gone completely tomorrow. So the things that we should be considering are those resolutions this year. Who, what am I going to do? As far as my direction, as far as my action, as far as my energies, what am I going to do? And whenever you make a resolution, you're always setting yourself up to fail, at least in some measure. Right. Especially depending on how you said it. Sometimes we're really ambitious, even though we know ourselves and we shouldn't be that ambitious in what we're setting. But we should set them anyway. We should purpose anyway that we're going to work in the right direction. Again, nothing is ever easy that is beneficial and good. Nothing worth having is easy to get. Nothing. Nothing worth having is easy to get. Either you're going to pay a price to have it or someone else is going to pay the price for you to have it. So I don't want to go into like specifics of what 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 you should resolve to do this year, because we're pretty diverse. We're going to be all over the place as far as what's going to be good for us. And I don't want to muddy the water with saying something that may be lined up for this person, but you're needing to focus on something else. But I will mention the things that are good for all of us. We need to resolve to have a plan for how we interact with scripture this year. We need to resolve to have a plan for how we interact with God in prayer this year and in worship this year and in fellowship with the body of Christ and joining together. Is that part of your plan for this year? And to serve with that body, the community that we're in. If we don't have a plan and a purpose to do that, we're not going to do it. This year, what are we going to purpose to do? Remember, it's the curse that we sweat and only get thorns and thistles. The grace of God has redeemed us from that curse where we can actually put forth effort and see fruit come from it. More than we could ever imagine in our own strength and in our own ability. Why? Because it's the grace of God at work in us. He said... I want to make it clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold to the message I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. And he, he, the situation they were in, they were just hearing the gospel. They were just hearing about the God of the Bible. They were just hearing about Jesus and they had heard about a lot of other things. And so he's saying, you heard it, you believed it, you're being saved by it. Are you holding to it or are you just looking for something else? Because anytime hard work starts to pop up, anytime it starts to be difficult to do something, we want to look for an easier way, right? We want to look for an easier way to do it. You have a friend, you notice they lost a lot of weight. You haven't seen them in a long time. Like, hey, how'd you lose all that weight? And what you're wanting them to say is, well, I'll tell you what, not very many people know about this, but I found this pill that you can take. And I just lost all the way from taking that pill. I didn't have to exercise. I didn't have to eat anything special. I just took that pill. That's what we want to hear, right? 
And what do they say? Well, I had to change my diet drastically and I exercised a lot. And we go away sad. Because <laughs> we don't want to do that, right? Because it sounds like hard work. It's like, man, I was hoping you were going to tell me that you were on a diet of Mountain Dew and Crescent Rolls or something. You know, we want something that sounds fun and easy. And you'll see it. You'll see it. You, you watch on social media. You, you'll see it. Like, hey, try this diet where you eat all this. You still have Skittles and you do this and you do this. And we're like, yeah, that sounds fun. But anything worth having is hard work. And, and so that's what he's telling them. Don't be, you know, knocked off. Of, of belief on this because it's difficult, because there's competing narratives that are speaking around you because you've experienced a persecution. Hold on to the message lest you believed in vain. And then he talks about how he was not worthy to even be called an apostle. And he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. God, he said, God saved me and I will not stand here with empty hands before him since he brought me from where I was and he's given me the ability and the calling to do what he's given me to do. I'm not going to be a tree without fruit on it. God has given me the ability to bear fruit. He's given me the ability to know him and to know him more and then to share him with others. I'm not going to be fruitless in this. So again, grace is not our excuse to be lazy and not do anything in the kingdom, to just rest on grace. It's the power that he's given us to be able to actually do something that's good, something that's worthwhile, something that's beneficial, not just for us, but for everybody around us and something that will be lasting. So I want you to be thinking on those as we're entering into 2021. What, what is this year going to be like for you? Because you get to decide so much of that. You don't get to decide everything that you deal with. You don't get to pick and choose. I'd like to deal with this and never deal with this. But you get to choose your response to everything that comes up. And your response can flow out of your relationship with him or your lack of relationship with him. What is this year going to be for us? Stand up with me. Let's pray. Again, I know these aren't rah-rah. It's more of a challenge, and it challenges me. But nothing worth having is easy. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. You love us enough to tell us the true story of our life and, in, and the world. And Lord, I thank you that regardless of what may come and go in this year, you are stable, you are faithful, and you are mighty. And we have received from you, I thank you, Lord God, that that belief will not be in vain, but we will allow it to access every part, every compartment of our life so that we can change to become more like you. There was a reason we needed to be saved out of sin and death, and we want it to be removed from our life and our sanctification as we pursue you more. And I thank you, Father, that your grace toward us will not be in vain, but we will work hard in our pursuit of you and not of ourselves, but the grace of God at work on the inside of us, finally giving us the power to do something and be productive in it, to do something and see fruit that will 
will remain, that we won't stand here as recipients of your grace with empty hands, but we'll be ready to put them to work for your glory, for our good and the good of those around us. I pray that as we prayerfully and thoughtfully consider these things at the beginning of this week, Lord, that you point out to us individually the areas of our life where we can pursue you more. Where do you want us to go to work? Where do you want us to put our energy? Lord, we know we can't control everything. I thank you that you will lead us and guide us and direct us on an individual level where to put our time and energy at the beginning of this year to be most effective. I thank you that you will help us structure a, a, a plan to purpose to pursue you in the scripture and in prayer and in worship and fellowship with the body of Christ and service to our community. I thank you, Lord, that you don't make that mysterious. You just wait on us to ask. And then in our time of personal prayer and our time of corporate prayer this week, Lord, you are going to reveal to us exactly what we need because you love us that much. And I think that as we pursue you, the grace of God, the grace that comes from you is at work on the inside of us to bring about a fruitfulness that we could not even imagine on our own. I thank you that this year will be directed by you. And Lord, we can experience your goodness, your kindness, your faithfulness through whatever may be going on in the world. And we can have an impact where we are in our own selves, in our families, in our jobs, in our areas of influence. We can have an impact for your glory and for your kingdom, not because of us, but because we're willing to show up and work hard because grace has given us that ability. And I thank you, Lord, that none of that work will be in vain as long as we're following, pursuing, and loving on you. I pray that as we get ready to go today, that you lead us, you, you guide us out in peace and unity with one another. Protect us this week. God, keep us safe. I thank you that you will help us and strengthen in peace as we approach the beginning of this year, that we won't be overwhelmed, God, by all the things that we see going on. We won't be overwhelmed by where you're calling us to go and what you're calling us to do. But we'll take this year one day at a time with you in mind and with you at the helm. I thank you that your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our church, our community in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.